Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Good morning, VLC, again. It feels really weird to be standing so close to the edge. I feel like I'm going to fall off. But um, happy Mother's Day. I'm honored, and I'm so thankful that you guys are allowing me to speak to you today. It's such an honor to be up here. It's scary, but it's such an honor. I don't know why it's scary. I don't know. I can't explain it. There's no logical reason as to why I'm scared, but I am. I'm not scared to sing, but I'm scared to speak. So I'm just trusting that the Lord gives me everything I need to say to you and that you're blessed and you're encouraged today. Um, I also have another goal. I'm going to try to get through without crying because every time I talk about my family or the people I love, I just start bawling like a baby. My mom understands firsthand, so I'm not going to talk to her or look over there today. I'll tell her happy Mother's Day and all that stuff later. We're going to save that. So, um, But let's just get right in. Before, it was just before the month of May, it was uh, July 30th. I was scrolling through Facebook, wasting time. I know I'm not the only one who does that on the regular, right? But my kids say you don't scroll through Facebook unless you're old, right? So I'm an old person scrolling through Facebook. And I came across uh, the Worship Vocalist. It's a group that I'm part of. It's actually a training that I receive um, through an individual. Her name's Charmaine Brown, and she, she shared a post, and she said, for the month of May, I'm challenging all of my Worship Vocalist community to read through the whole New Testament with me. And I was like, nope, I'm going to keep scrolling through that. That is way too much for one month. And I kind of went back to the video and she and her husband were sharing. She's like, this was a challenge given to me. Um, I forgot how long ago it was. And I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it because it was more scripture than I was used to and I was worried about how much I would retain, but I went through it and the word of God was just amazing and it was such an awesome experience. And so I kind of listened and I just was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time. I mean, not that I don't have time for the Lord, but that's a lot of scripture a day. You know, that's more than what I'm used to. Maybe you guys are more spiritual than me and you're reading like a whole book a day. I don't know, but that was a lot. And so... Um, the next day, I'm doing the same thing, wasting time on Facebook, you know, but I don't have time for nine, nine chapters a day. (sighs) The things we tell ourselves. So she came up again and she's like, we're going to be doing these live videos every Monday night in May and we're going to encourage each other. And I felt the spirit of God just like convict me, like you need to do that. So it was May 1st. I don't know if my timing was right on that, but I did start on May 1st and I started nine chapters a day. Full steam ahead. Now, I'm listening to it mostly because then I can, like, get ready and, and do other things. But I am here. I'm, I'm in Romans right now. The Word of God, it's amazing, right? But it has been amazing. I haven't sat there and, and not retained. I've, in fact, I've been, like, eating huge meals of God's Word, and it's just, like, filling me up to the full. So there's no such thing as too much of God's word. Let's establish that real quick. So that's where I am. But one of the first things that I was reminded of as I started reading the gospels was how Jesus took everything that everybody believed, everything that they thought, all of the cultural norms, and he just flipped it upside down. 
over and over and over and over. And I'm reading, I'm like, oh, dang, they didn't see that coming. Oh, my gosh. And Jesus just cracks me up. He's awesome. He's amazing. But so I just was like in awe again at how Jesus interacted with humanity. Like one of the things that he did, you know, the religious Pharisees, everybody respected them. They were like the people you go to. And Jesus called them evil. He called out their sin. He went to a bunch of basic fishermen who were low on the socioeconomic totem pole, and he called those people to come be his disciples. And then instead of fishing for fish, he said, you're going to fish for what? People. Um, He came, and everyone thought he was going to establish this amazing physical kingdom and overthrow Rome, and and Jesus was going to be the king over all. But his kingdom was a spiritual kingdom, and he had to retrain their thinking, retrain their mind. Um, He just did so many things. And we could go on all day about the amazing things that Jesus did to retrain our thinking. That's why in Isaiah 55, 9, the word says, his ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours, right? We don't think like God. We don't reason like God. And thank the Lord that we don't. So Jesus had a true knack for calling out our human stink. That's what I wrote down. Our human stink and exposing our true intentions, right? And Jesus tells it like it really is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He's not trying to make us feel good. He just tells us like it is. And he's doing the same thing in his word today for us that he did with his disciples long ago. His word is alive. So on this day that we set aside to honor mothers, I thought it would be fitting to flip things around today like Jesus did because usually we're going to talk about a mother from the scripture or a biblical, you know, model of a godly woman. But today I want to flip things around and I want to take a look at what you see on the screen. The very thing that makes a mother a mother at all. Children. We are going to learn from children today. And if you're wondering, just to thwart off any distraction, my shirt is a baby Yoda and it says the child. So that was themed on purpose for today. I know it just looks like an eye in the middle of my shirt with this jacket, but don't look at that. So before we get into the word today, I just want to pray that Jesus has his way here and um, that he's just able to speak. So Lord, we just bless your name. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and it's powerful and it's sharp and it pierces between our bone and our marrow, just like you said it would. We thank you that when we go to your word, we learn something new every single time. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that you are a humble and gentle teacher and that you have so much patience with us, Lord, as we stumble along. You're always there to pick us up and retrain us and forgive us and set us on the right path again. God, I pray as we study your word today, what it means, what you said it means to be like a child. God, that we would soft, you would soften our hearts And we would open our hearts to what you have to say, what you want to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love being a mom most days. Most days I love being a mom. I didn't know how much I would love being a mom until I became a mom, right? Most of us are like that. Um, I became a mom at 22 years old, and I felt like more of a kid than I did an adult. Um, But mom, being a mom has been... Gosh, one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to me. Um, 
So I was 22, we had Jocelyn, most of you know this, but for those of you that don't, I was 24 when we had Reese, and just finishing up school, it was a weird time of life. I had been working and going to school, and then all of a sudden I was at home full time, like taking care of a newborn and a two-year-old. And shortly after that, I became pregnant with London. And um, I don't know how that kept happening, I just kept having babies. <laughs> they just kept coming. And I remember when I found out I was pregnant, I was so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed. I was like, God, what are you doing to me? How can you do this? Reese is still a baby and I can't do this. I can't make it. It's too much. I gave you all this sacrifice. I had all these kids. I'm staying home. I quit working. I did what you asked me to do. And now I'm going to have another baby and you just keep putting more and more and more on my plate. And I remember I went outside to our back patio and I had a, a cherry 7-Up. I don't know why that's significant, but that's what I was drinking at the time. And I was sitting out there crying to God. I'm complaining and throwing a fit. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm trying to give you a gift. I'm trying to bless you. Do you understand? This is a blessing. It doesn't matter how many you have. It's a blessing. It's always a blessing. This is a gift. This baby is going to change your life as much as the first two did, and even more. This is going to be a gift. Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And I didn't understand that at the time. Oh, gosh. Here the tears are. But I do now. I do now. I understand that. And much of what we see, he's going to grab me tissues. I'm not going to get that bad. I mean, it's not going to stream, but thank you, babe. Um, much of what we see in our world, in our culture today, they don't view children as a blessing. They don't, we don't view children as a gift. In fact, we speak of children as an inconvenience. And... If you're not ready for a child, we honestly believe it's like the worst thing that could happen to you, right? And now I, I, I want to say this. I'm not an advocate for teen pregnancy. But when a, a young girl or a young couple has a child, we say, oh, their life is over. And Christians say stuff like that, too. And we shouldn't talk like that because the opposite is true. No matter the situation, the word of God says children are a gift from the Lord. So whether they're wanted, a surprise, unwanted, prayed for for years, they are always a gift from God. And as believers, we're supposed to think differently than the world, right? Because we have the word of God that renews our mind. It retrains our thinking. And children are a gift. And I just felt the need to say that today. I just felt like God wanted that declared. And let's, let's get this straight. Children are never, ever, ever an accident. Psalm 139. The Lord formed each one of them in the womb, and he knows them intimately and deeply. They're never an accident. I know of a friend on Facebook who just lost her little baby. He was only four days old. And I have another friend whose baby's fighting for his life right now. And I think these children were loved and wanted, but as much as the ones that weren't or that were aborted, they were loved and they were wanted by their father just as much the one who created them. So children are never an accident. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. The heart of the father, he knows this. 
And this was one of the things that Jesus took and he flipped it around. And he did it on more than one occasion. So we're going to begin our reading in Matthew 18, verse 1. The verses will be on the screen, and you can also follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. How'd I do? See? All right. <laughs> Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of these things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Interesting. We're going to go right into the parallel scripture in Mark Chapter 9, it's the same situation, just told from a little different perspective, right? Okay, verse 33. So they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and a servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said, Whoever welcomes one of these little ones, little children, in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So let's go back to uh, our situation here in Matthew 18. A few things that I want to make note of is from verse 3, the first thing I want to make note of. Jesus said in verse 3, unless you become like one of these little ones, you will never enter the kingdom. So he didn't say, it's good if you become like one of these little ones. He said, you're never going to get in unless you become like this little child right here. So that's a pretty heavy-hitting statement, right? We should probably pay attention. The next thing I noticed, he said, you need to change and become like a child, which then indicates there was something wrong in their heart that wasn't right. There was something they needed to get right. They needed to change. 
And I read that whole huge section where he talks about your body offending you, you know, cut off your limb. It's pretty crazy. Um, the, the parable of the lost sheep that we love to talk about. But did you ever, ever, ever realize that this whole section, Jesus is still holding that little child. He goes back and refers to that little child over and over. So the, the time he's talking about causing someone to stumble, he's talking about one of these little ones. When he's talking about the parable of the lost sheep, he's talking about one of these little ones. Did we ever recognize that Jesus was talking about children that whole time? The parable of the lost sheep is about a little child or one who's insignificant like a child that the father sees that little one. And we don't understand how valuable that little one is to the Lord. So I just thought that that was interesting. Verse 1 through 18, we, we take that scripture, we talk about those things all the time, but we never reference that Jesus was still holding that little child, and he kept referring back to, the same is true for one of these little ones. The same is true for how my father views these little ones. Then in Mark, Mark tells it from a little different perspective. I love how it said, <laughs> well, Jesus asked a question, and doesn't God always ask us questions? Like, the Holy Spirit's always just saying, hey, what were you doing? Hey. What were you thinking? Just like in the garden um, when Adam had sinned and Jesus, uh, God, came to Adam and said, who told you you were naked? I love how Jesus always leads with a question. The Holy Spirit still does that today. But they didn't want to answer him like kids when you know you're caught doing something because they knew it was wrong. They knew Jesus was going to have some correction for him. And I don't know who watches The Chosen in here. Who's watched The Chosen? Okay, if you haven't, you need to, for one. So I would consider myself a fan. I would consider Joey a super fan. But I'm a fan of The Chosen. And after having watched The Chosen, it brings this particular scripture to light in a new way. Because I can see the humanity all over these guys like never before. So when I read that, I just started cracking up because they didn't want to answer them. They're like, oh my God we were doing something stupid again and another thing that I notice in Mark that's not written in Matthew is that it says Jesus sat down and he took a little one sat him on his lap and took him in his arms what was Jesus doing when he sat down do you think that was intentional I do too Jesus was getting on the level of the child he was humbling himself, making himself low. He was using his body to signify what he was trying to get the point across, was that you need to become small, like one of these. You need to lower yourself. And I just think that was such a sweet moment in the scripture where we can see how nurturing Jesus is. Nurturing is not just for mothers. Our Father in Heaven is a nurturing God, and He cares for us, and He gets down on our level when we need Him to. Isn't that awesome to know that about our Lord? So when we hear this scripture, it's pretty popular scriptures, we often brush it over and we're like, yeah, we get it. We must have the faith like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven, faith like a child. Okay, but in these two passages, Jesus never mentions faith. He's not talking about faith. What does he say in verse 3 of Matthew? He says, you must change and become like little children. 
I'm sorry, verse, verse 4. He doesn't say you must have faith like a child. In the NLT translation, Matthew 18, verse 4 says, So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus isn't talking about faith. He's talking about humility. You need to become humble like a child. You don't need the faith of a child, which that is good too. But he's saying you need to become humble. This word in the Greek is tapaneo. I've been practicing it all morning. I probably still said it wrong. But it means to be made low, lowly. And another thing that I wanted to know in these scenarios, in this one scenario, is that Jesus didn't have to go searching for a humble child. Right? He didn't have to say, hey, can someone find a humble child for me? I need like one that knows he's just small and, and vulnerable. I need you to find me one. No, he didn't have to do that. Why? Because children just are humble. They just are. I think that's so sweet. There's another occasion where Jesus called out children and used it as a lesson for his disciples. We find that in Mark 10, starting in verse 3. The scripture says, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And then he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. Do you realize that that was Mark 10? And what had taken place the first time when Jesus brought a little child among them? That was only Mark 9. So it was one chapter difference. The first chapter in Mark 9, they were in Capernaum, and then they were in Judea. So I got to give it to them. They were at least in a different city. So they traveled, and they may have forgotten a little bit. But he was teaching them the same lesson only one chapter later, and they still didn't get it. So here's where we can really see that in their society, children weren't viewed as very important, right? They didn't feel like Jesus should waste his time on a child and that these parents were bothering him. But he placed his hands on them and he took them in his arms again, taking them in his arms, and he blessed them. So today I want to look at what does it mean, really? Like, how do we become lowly like a child? How, what does it mean to be humble like a child? The first thing that I want to make note of is that children are joyful. The children... That Well, let's start with the child that he blessed, the child that he brought among them. Can you imagine? I don't care how old that child was. But can you imagine how excited that little baby was to be in the arms of Jesus? And don't try to tell me that that little kid did not know that that was the son of God. That little child knew that this man was special. And I know that that little child was just smiling up at Jesus. He was so happy to be with him. And the little children that came to him that he blessed and put his hands on them and held him in his arms. Can you imagine their joy when they're looking up at Jesus and he's paying attention to them and he's placing his hands on them? I could just see it. I could see it right now. They're asking him all sorts of questions like, where'd you get your robe? How, how big are your sandals? Can I try one on? They're just so sweet, and they're just so full of joy at nothing. Like, nothing has to be going on. They're full of joy. When children are young, they're just happy to be in the room. 
They're just happy to be with you. And these little children were just happy to be with Jesus. Children are full of wonder and awe, even at little things. When London was small, I loved this. I'm not just going to talk about her today. I have other kids, too. We'll, we'll get to them. But she used to say all the time, this is the best day ever. And we were, like, just jumping on the trampoline. Or it was the best day ever because we just got ice cream. It was the best day ever because she got a Happy Meal and she got the toy she wanted. And it was just so sweet. And it was one of the things that just warmed my heart to see that joy flowing out from her. Um, Jocelyn, when she was around two, when she would wake up in the morning, she'd always come in the room. She'd be like, I awake. (laughs) I awake. And she was just happy to be awake. Nothing was going on. She was just full of joy that it was a new day. And she was awake. Reese... Where's Reese? Oh, he's hiding in the back today. I said, do you remember this? He's like, no, no, no. But it's true. When Reese would open gifts, he'd be like, oh, wow, oh! His face when he would open gifts was so awesome. He was just full of joy. It did not take much to excite him when he was small. But children have a uniquely joyful spirit. I'm sorry, this is a quote from um, Leadership International. It's called Five Ways We Enter the Kingdom Like a Child. Children have a uniquely joyful spirit. You may argue that it's based on their ignorance, but it's not their ignorance that makes them joyful. They're joyful because of what they focus on. They are not yet distracted by the cares of this world. We may be less ignorant than children, but we too can have the same joy if our faith is unhindered by fearful distraction. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, right? It is being produced in us and will manifest if we don't quench the Spirit's work. (laughs) It's not mine. It's not mine, so... I mean, I can't take credit for that, no. Um, But children easily get caught up in the wonder of things, right? My mom and I were talking the other day that the world is so huge when you're small. Isn't it? And then you get older and you look back at the same you know, building or or location, you're like, wow, I can't believe I thought it was so big. So to enter the kingdom like a child means we need to remember how big our God is, how vast he is, to get caught up in the wonder and awe of who he is and remember how small we really are. The second thing I want to point out about children being humble like a child is that children are completely dependent. They just are. They don't have a choice. They recognize their need, and they trust freely. They don't trust in their own understanding, right? I mean, sometimes when they're throwing a tantrum. But most of the time, children know that they don't have it all figured out. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Don't depend on your own understanding. I'm sorry, not verse 6, just verse 5. Verse 6 is up there, too. It's good. But children know they don't have it all figured out. They recognize their need for provision and care. And when we get older, we tend to feel like we don't need God for as much. Like, even if we don't confess it out loud, let's be honest. When we really look inside of ourselves, we don't really rely on God the same way we did when we were young or the same way we thought about our parents and our need for, for them when we were young. We tend to become a little arrogant and more dependent on ourselves. Like, we trust in our own abilities. 
We think we're the one accomplishing things or, or our job, you know, we're so talented, we're providing or we're achieving. But like little children, we need to remember our need for our daddy. Because when a storm of life knocks us off our feet and we go to the Lord and we're like, oh God, I'm so desperate for you. We say things like, I need you. I need you. We recognize our need for him and we feel like we become more dependent on him. But that's not the case. The truth is, we're always just as dependent on him. We just stopped realizing it when things were good, right? <clears throat> so don't get caught up in making things about your own ability. Because when you're feeling weak, you're right. You can't do it on your own. And when you're feeling strong, you're not doing it on your own. So remember the, that. The second thing about children being dependent, they trust freely. Children trust their daddy, right? They trust their parents. They trust their mom, too. Let's, let's put moms in there. It's Mother's Day. And this is why people have spoken about this passage of Jesus bringing that little child among them and saying, enter the kingdom like a little child, to mean faith. Because children are just naturally very trusting. Um, when a child is small, you can liter literally tell them anything and they'll believe it. Sometimes we take that a little too far as parents, I think. So we had a joke in our house. I don't know if Asher remembers this. Asher used to say, the cops were coming. And we would say, the cops are coming? When are they coming? And he'd say, in two weeks. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't know how that got started. But London said the other day, I actually always believed the cops were coming. <laughs> I really thought the cops were coming in two weeks. And I don't... I don't know if Asher believed it, but he probably wasn't old enough to know what the cops were or what they did. So he just started saying it. And so we'd say that whenever anybody got in trouble, the cops are coming. And Asher would say, in two weeks. So, it was so cute. Kent Hughes, um, in his article, Entering the Kingdom as Children, says, those who receive the kingdom like a little child have the saving element of faith. They have belief plus trust. They believe in Jesus, but it's more than a mind belief. They trust Jesus for everything to do with salvation in life. Further, a little child is free from the pride of knowledge. He has no learning, no degrees to pile up before the cross. Intellectual conceit is impossible. So children believe freely because they don't reason things as, as impossible. They're not using human intellect to try to figure it all out. And when Jesus was on earth, he performed many miracles that defied reasoning, right? That defied logic. And these disciples sat there, they were part of the miracles. Jesus gave them authority to do the miracles. And what did he have to do over and over and over? He had to rebuke them for having such little faith. So children are humble enough to trust the Lord freely and take him at his word. And God is asking us to become like little children and understand again that it's simple. Don't make it so complex. When you grow up, quit making it about, well, if this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen, the word of God says, with God, all things are possible, right? So we can believe him for crazy, unbelievable things. And I think sometimes we need to go through this process 
as a believer in Jesus, just like the disciples had to learn, we need to watch Jesus prove that he's trustworthy over and over and over and over till we finally get it, right? And that's what was happening with the disciples. They were watching Jesus do these things, but it was still just hard for their adult minds to just grasp it and really receive it. And I think the Lord is so patient with us. He's long-suffering that he takes us through that same journey where he proves himself faithful over and over, and we learn to trust him in big, in small things. The third thing that I want to point out about children, do you guys mind if I take a drink really quick? I'm so sorry. Pastor Joey never does this, does he? Okay, thank you. Number three, children love freely. Children are honest about how they feel. They haven't learned to hide their emotions. And Jesus wants us to come to him just like that. Matthew 11, verse 28, 29. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Part of establishing a deep relationship with someone is the ability to just be yourself and let your guard down, right? We need to learn to be vulnerable if we're going to grow down deep in a, re a relationship with someone. And children haven't yet learned, and you have to learn this, how to hide their hearts or build walls, right? They're so open and they just openly receive the love from their parents or other people. They're, they're willing and ready to take it and give it back. And that's what makes being around little kids so enjoyable, right? They're just so full of love. They're so sweet. Like little 18-month-olds to 2-year-olds are the best. They're so cute. They talk. They give hugs. They give kisses. They don't stink yet. They're perfect. You know, their breath and B.O. and feet and all that. They're just so cuddly and sweet because they give love. They receive love freely. And that's what makes them so enjoyable. And do you realize from the scripture we just read, that's how God presents himself to us. He comes to us that way. He's humble and he's gentle. And when he took that little child among the disciples, he sat down in the center. So if our, our Lord is humble and gentle, we can then receive his love and learn from him how to be humble and gentle, how to freely receive love and then in turn give it away. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. We just sang about that a minute ago. Jesus doesn't hide who he is. He doesn't have walls around his heart. He gives his love away freely to us, even though he has every right to build walls around his heart, right? With as much as we hurt him, he has every right to hold himself from us, but he never, ever, ever will. Jesus commands us to love like he's loved us. Just like a little child, when they're loved, they give it out. John 13, 34. But we won't be able to receive the love of the Father with a bunch of junk around our hearts. And if we can't receive the love of the Father, we can't give it away. Children readily and unashamedly return love for loving gifts. And unlike adults, they don't make things all weird by getting caught up in whether or not they've done enough to earn the affection or earn the gift, right? As adults, we're tempted to make it about our own righteousness. 
well, God, I haven't done enough for you. So God's not going to bless me because I didn't do this and I was disobedient here and, and he's not going to do this for me. Remember, it's not about you. Ephesians 2, 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from the Father. So may we remember to see, receive love and gifts of the Father as willingly as a child. Let's not question him. Let's not push him away. Let's just receive his love. And in that way, we're going to be able to love other people the same way that we receive the love from the Father. And the fourth, fourth thing that I'd like to point out about children is that children are happy to serve. Who agrees with this? We're talking little children, right? Aren't they just happy to help? Oh, they're so cute. They're just so stinking cute. Joey said last night, we were looking at clothes at Meyer, and we saw little baby clothes, and he goes, do you want another one? And I said, no. And he's like, I kind of do. So I'm just telling all of his secrets to the whole church this morning. Joey kind of wants another baby, but it's impossible. But they're just so cute. I just want to squeeze one. I don't want another one for myself. But they love to help, and they don't care what the job is. They're just happy to be a part. They don't care how dirty it is, how weird it is, how gross it is. They love it. The toy industry has capitalized on this concept. And they have made a fortune on creating play tools and household items that adults use kid size. Right? You can think of a million, a million of them. Call one out. A kitchen, vacuum, broom. Yup, I had those listed. A mower. I had mowers and blowers. Those little tool workbenches so they can work like dad. I mean, they make everything. There's probably not anything that's household or work-related that hasn't been made into a toy, right? So really what kids are doing, they're modeling after their parents. <clears throat> Excuse me. With these fake tools, because they just want to help mom and dad. Did you ever realize that kids will also model how their parents serve Christ? But the cool thing about Jesus is he doesn't give fake tools to kids. He gives the real deal. You've heard it said, Pastor Joey said it, there's no junior Holy Spirit, right? And that's true. John was filled with the Holy Spirit inside his mother's womb when Mary approached him. Inside Elizabeth's womb. So the way that we as parents model worship, service, commitment, surrender to the Lord, it's teaching our children to do the same. They're going to model that too. And the tools of God in a child's heart are powerful. They're not fake. They're powerful. Psalm 8.2 says, You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength. Or in the Greek, it says to give you praise. Silencing enemies and all who oppose you. A child's praise is powerful. Another translation says childlike worship. So as adults, we don't have to be children to have powerful praise. We just have to come with that heart. And it silences our enemies and those who oppose us. So let's get back to what we were talking about. That was just a side note about how kids will, will serve in the way that we serve Jesus. I just thought that that was so cool. But people with a childlike heart are just happy to serve Jesus. That's the connection we're making. They're just happy to serve Jesus. They don't care how or where. 
Do you know anybody like that? Can you think of anyone in your mind that, wow, that person is just on fire for the Lord. They're not looking for anything. They're just always serving the Lord. Think of that person and think about some of their attributes that, that you see in their life. They're just joyful. They're just happy to be involved. They have a childlike heart. They're not concerned about position. Back to that whole argument with the disciples. Who's going to be the greatest? Is it me, God? And if we're honest, as adults, we like feeling important. We secretly compare our gifts and our callings to others. We feel less valuable if we're not doing what somebody else is doing. And we go to God a lot for what he can give us. We have the tendency to feel like God owes us something for all our years of service, of service or that really great thing we did. Come on, we're just being honest. I don't think I'm the only one that does this stuff. I hope not. If so, I, got, I, need, some, I need some prayer after church. <laughs> Children aren't like that. They're not like that. Self-righteousness is impossible in a child's mind. They haven't learned to rely on their own self-righteousness. They don't even know how to think that way when they're small. And we need to learn to be content with the job or the season, whatever it is. It's not how great we are. It's about how great he is anyway, right? So we all know how much moms love their kids. Moms are funny because moms will do anything for their kids. Won't, won't we? But sometimes moms, we like, sometimes we cross lines. Do moms agree? Do you, do you, yeah, see, we do. Sometimes we're so passionate about our kids that we go a little too far. We take it a little too far. Matthew 20, verse 20, we're going to read about a mom that took it a little too far. Same concept. Then the mother of G James and John, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her two sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered them by saying, yeah, does that sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? Now mom's getting involved. She must have not been around when Jesus was correcting them the other times. By the way, it's not in here, but they were arguing about who would be greatest at the Last Supper, too. Come on, you guys. They did not get it. So, okay. Jesus said, <laughs> get back to the word. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We're able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard that James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what was Jesus saying? Again, 
He didn't mention little children here, but it was the same concept. He said, if you want all these things, you need to quit striving for it. Just worry about making yourself low, doing what you're called to do, like this little unassuming child who knows their need. Really what Jesus was saying, he was saying, just be like me. Remember those verses where we said, Jesus said, I'm humble and gentle. Jesus is the epitome of a childlike heart. Did you ever think about Jesus that way? That Jesus has a childlike faith. Jesus was full of an anointing of joy more than any other, the word of God says. Jesus recognized his need and dependence on the Father. He said he didn't do anything apart from the Father. And do you see how often in the scriptures Jesus went away to go pray? And he didn't do his own will. He only did the will of the Father. Jesus completely trusted his Father. And where is Jesus now? James and John, their mom, was worried about who would sit on his right and left. Where did God put Jesus? Who knows? At the right hand of the Father. 1 Peter 5, 6. I love this verse. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. The verse before that says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I want to take a moment, just real quick, to mention, as I was writing this, I felt the Holy Spirit just point this out, that some of you in this room may be in what you feel like is a small season right now. You may be in a hidden season, and that's okay. Because a hidden season does not mean that you're unseen. I've felt like this before. I remember when my kids were small, we were living in Missouri, we were in ministry. Joey had all these opportunities. He was always going places. He was always, you know, I felt like he was just doing all these amazing things and I was at home raising kids, which is it's a huge deal. It's a blessing, it's an honor. I didn't see it in the moment. I just felt like I was being gypped. But I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like the Lord was training me and teaching me and I may have been in a hidden season, but he was working in my heart and my life. I was never invisible to God or unnoticed by him. And you're not unnoticed by God. He sees you. Because just like he took a magnifying glass to those little ones, those little children, he's doing that to you as well. You are not unseen. And at the right time, the Father will raise you up in honor. But you got to let it remain his timing. It's his time. So becoming like a child does not insinuate that we need to become immature and ignorant of life, right? God's not asking us to lack understanding or to lose knowledge. He's doing quite the opposite. He wants us to mature in our understanding and grow down deep, but keep and hold on to the wonder, the dependence, the trust, the humility we had when we first came to him and we recognized who we were before him. He's asking us to keep our gaze fixed because the one who started it is faithful to complete it. So let's leave it all up to him, right? Let's surrender it to him again. I don't know what you have today that you need to surrender to the Lord. Maybe it's doubt about whether he's going to come through or not. 
fear of insignificance. There might be pride in your heart, feeling like God owes you something. I know I felt that way. Let's remember today that we are important to him, even the smallest among us. Jesus makes the great small and the small great. So as we close this morning, I'm not sure if any of these attributes really resonated with you or anything really stood out to you today. Maybe you just need to get back to experiencing the joy of being with the Lord. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha? And Martha was busy working. Mary just wanted to sit at Jesus' feet. Maybe that, that's you today, and you just need to get back to wanting to just be with Jesus and receive the joy. The fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits is joy. So the Spirit has that for you today. Maybe you've gotten caught up and you're just focused on the wrong things. Maybe you need joy today. Maybe you've been doing things your own way. Maybe you aren't really trusting the Lord for things. You're trying to go your own way. Things aren't working out. Maybe you need to surrender that today. Maybe you need to just remember how much you need him because he is responsible for your successes as well. Some of you in this room, you've been hurt. And that has caused you to build walls around your heart. It keeps you from being able to fully receive the love of the Lord and become vulnerable with him. And you want to love, you want to receive his love, but there's just something in the way. And I know what that feels like too. I've been there. Just surrender it. Surrender it to the Lord. He's the only one that can heal your heart, that can heal your wounds. In our last point, about serving, maybe, maybe you've been unhappy or discontent with where the Lord has you and you feel like God is, is leaving you out. Remember how the Lord pursues those the world sees as significant, just like that little child. Remember, don't let the enemy tell you that you are unseen. So whatever it is today, if the Lord is dealing with you on something, if, if something that was in here today stood out to you, let's just surrender it to the Lord today because I know he has something good for us. Let's let our humble, gentle Savior instruct us again. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, you are such a good friend. Father, you are such a good daddy. You're perfect in all of your ways. And I thank you for this reminder today that you see the little ones. And that not only that, God, you embody the heart of the child. And the little ones that the world calls insignificant, that the world says don't matter, those are the ones that you love, those are the ones that will inherit the kingdom of God. We thank you, God, that you're, you flip everything upside down on its head. We thank you for teaching us and instructing us. We thank you for the truth of your word today. We thank you how we can learn even from children. We thank you for children. What a gift they are. What a joy they are. 
We just love you, Lord. We say, have your way. In Jesus' name. Church. We want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you and God bless.